Hello everyone and welcome to my Love in the Time of Coronavirus podcast series. This is episode 10. That's amazing, isn't it? Thank you very much indeed for joining me. And uh, thanks to everyone who has contributed so far. I've had also so many lovely messages from people that they're enjoying it. And that means um, a great deal to me. I mean, of course, I only do this podcast as a hobby. And it is a wonderful and happy coincidence of that, that several thousand, maybe 10,000 people listen eventually to every episode. But um, I am doing it for myself and I do love doing it. Anyway, for those of you who might not yet have listened to one of my Love in the Time of Coronavirus podcasts, I'm calling this a slow pod uh, or a slow cast. don't really know what the pod bit of it means anyway in podcast, but let's call it a slow pod for today. And I've sent lots of friends three simple questions, which they then dial in the answer to. And those questions are, where are you and who are you with? What good do you think will come out of this mess? And please tell me something really good you've discovered or found again or started doing during this lockdown. Anyway, let's get straight into it today. First up today, we have Paddy Bing, who is a businessman with a long history of working with luxury brands, who has recently taken over the reigns as chairman of the amazing Brompton Bike Company. I've always been a fan of Brompton, which I think is a great piece of British design. And one of those things that I think you love if you love things that are not only functional, but that last forever. In fact, my daughter India has um, a Brompton bike. She lives in London and she's a men's fashion writer. And so we do have one in the family. I'm not a cyclist myself, but if I was, I would think about buying a Brompton because they are genuinely built to last. They have an almost cult-like following amongst their advocates who are often people who are involved in design. In fact, Nigel House, the, uh, one of the owners of Rough Trade Records, who was on one of the earlier versions of this series, rides one. Um, Anyway, I'm waffling a bit. Brompton was first designed in 1975 and has, as I say, emerged to become an iconic brand since. Paddy Bing is the chairman of that business and they have recently launched their Wheels for Heroes campaign, which will see them commit £100,000 worth of production capacity, which is essentially equal to a £100,000 investment, to fund bikes for NHS workers but they also want us to help. So in order to do that, you need to go to Crowdfunder, Co UK, and then search for Wheels for Heroes. They've had some fantastic publicity for this campaign. Please do try and give something if you possibly can. It's a lovely story. And of course, once this whole hellish time is over for the NHS, there will then be lots of people with wonderful, beautiful bikes, which is also something of a reward for the extraordinary times they've been through. Anyway, enough waffling from me. Here's Paddy Bing. So hi there, I'm uh, Paddy Bing and I'm at home in Wiltshire, a few miles outside Pusey. I'm with my wife, my two daughters and uh, three dogs and two cats. Uh, I'm acutely aware actually of our good fortune as we're surrounded by stunning countryside and fields which we can all go 
and walk and exercise in, which I know loads of people are not able to do. So um, we think about that every day. I'm uh, spending quite a lot of time in my office doing numerous Zoom calls with the various companies that I work with, some of which are early stage businesses who are having to drastically readjust from, in most cases, a pretty exciting growth phase uh, to the new reality of uh, effectively almost hitting the, the bumpers, which is, uh, which is pretty dramatic. Uh, and other companies which are much more established, such as uh, Brompton Bicycles, uh, more of which in a moment. So what good will come out of this mess? Well, it's a big question, isn't it? I think on a, on a very local and uh, personal level, our, our little village here has certainly become much more communal than I can ever remember in the sense of people generally looking out for each other, particularly those who are self-isolating, actually, such as ourselves, who self-isolated for two weeks and had uh, neighbours and, and, other, and other people from the village um, queuing um, to help us out, which was, which was amazing. I'd be really surprised if, if that sense of community doesn't continue once we, we, we re-emerge from, uh, from this crisis. I'm also seeing that sense of community and desire to support others uh, in an initiative that Brompton launched uh, recently uh, to get free uh, bikes to NHS workers who don't want to take public transport to work because obviously that's really risky, uh, but they have no other means of getting to the hospital. And uh, Brompton have got demand now from NHS workers for something like a thousand bikes, but um, they've run out of stock and need to to make new ones. So they launched a crowdfunding campaign uh, with the company uh, itself committing uh, about a hundred thousand pounds of production capacity uh, to to then try to raise a further. £400,000 to make uh, these um, thousand bikes, which will be given kind of free to um, these NHS workers. Anyway, it launched 10 days ago, and so far uh, they've received donations from 1,600 people, which I think is, is really incredible, given the pressure on everyone's wallets as we sink into what's looking like a pretty alarming um, recession and um, when we talk about cycling, um, you know, we also talk a lot about whether this pandemic could actually be one of those catalyst type uh, occasions where coming out of it, more and more people who primarily live and work in cities start to think that maybe getting around the city on a bicycle might be much better for them both physically and mentally, than moving around on a bus or on the tube, as well as obviously being so much better uh, for the environment. Anyway, so those are two or three, I think, good things that uh, we're seeing uh, come out of this, come out of this mess. Um, what, 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 what good thing have I discovered, uh, found again or started doing? Well, 
wish I could say that I've finally purchased a that turntable and have been re-listening to all those double albums from the 70s and 80s, which are stacked away in my attic uh, and have been such a feature of your life, Charlie. But in fact, what I've started doing is um, is is good for me, uh, but it's very much more mundane. Um, I've started to learn to cook. Uh, I could, I, I guess I cooked a little bit when I was single, though I think some people would say that's still probably a bit of a stretch. But since meeting my wife almost 20 years ago, as she is the most fantastic cook, her brilliance in the kitchen combined with my love of watching sport literally all year round, as well as more recently going for extremely long bicycle rides, has, I'm embarrassed to say, kept me away from the proverbial stove for prolonged periods of time. Anyway, under her patient tuition, I've managed to serve up a variety of Sunday roasts. Obviously, we're starting me off with the traditional dishes, as well as the odd pudding or two, including a chocolate biscuit cake, which my 11-year-old daughter, Tess, guided me through uh, from start to finish. Anyway, that's a good thing that I've started to do. And uh, that brings me to the end. Thank you, Charlie, and uh, wishing you all the best. Bye. Next up, we have the cook and writer, Olia Hercules. I've interviewed Olia in the past on this podcast, and she's appeared at the Good Life Experience a number of times. But just to reiterate for those of you um, that may not remember or, or don't indeed know her work, Olia started her work in food at Leith School in 2010, and after that she went to work at Ottolenghi's as a chef de partie. Since then, she's published three books. Um, the third, in fact, is going to come out this year, but she's finished it, and she talks about that in her response here. The first, Mamushka, was regarded as an absolute classic. That was called Recipes from Ukraine and Beyond. That was subtitled Recipes from Ukraine and Beyond. And the second one from 2017 was Caucasus, the cookbook, A Journey Through the Wild East. Both of those two books have really lit up the food world and have been highly regarded by food writers. They're, of course, like most great books of the moment, most great food books, they're part memoir and journey and part recipe book. But Bamushka, in particular, was regarded as a classic of its type. This July, her next book, Summer Kitchens, will be out. Anyway, here is Olia. Uh, this is Olia Hercules. Um... Yeah, the only thing to promote is maybe if we can mention that my third cookbook, Summer Kitchens, is coming out on the 25th of June. And it's all about sustainable and self-sufficient way of living uh, as traditionally has been done and is, is still done in Ukraine. I think it's uh, quite timely for our times. Quite timely for our times? You know what I mean. Um, having all sorts of uh, positive fantasies about how this crisis will change the world really hoping that people will reconsider the way that they live, um, that they will take environment in a more serious way, uh, they will try to live more sustainably. 
I became more adventurous with my sourdough baking. Um, I'm doing loads of stuff with my son. We're both learning piano using this app. Uh, we've learned almost all of the flags of the world. It's quite exciting. Also, I started this um, diary um, in when I was pregnant with uh, Wilf. And I'm continuing with it. So the pregnancy diary became this quarantine diary. And I'm doing little silly sketches in it and just writing about my day and thoughts and stuff. It's quite a therapeutic, lovely thing to do. I think I'll continue even once this is over. Great. Well, thank you very much, Olia. You can follow Olia on her Instagram page at Olia Hercules, where you'll join her 50,000 or so followers and see some truly beautiful photographs, not just of lovely food, but also beautiful places and of Olia and her lovely little baby. Anyway, what else should I tell you about today? Well, as you will know if you've been listening to this series, I've been talking about some of the great double albums of all time. I always qualify this little bit of the podcast by saying that, of course, there are lots of long albums now that digital music requires much less editing. There was a limit to how much music you could fit on a side of vinyl. And that's why the double album was a relatively rare thing. I talked about some absolute classics, and I'm not sure I'll recall all of those now, but The Sign of the Times, Out of the Blue, Sandinista, Drugs, Bitches Brew, Hatful of Hollow, and various others. Uh, listen back to the podcast if you're interested in learning about them. Today, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about the Stevie Wonder classic, Songs in the Key of Life. It was the 18th album by Stevie Wonder. It was released at the height of punk, weirdly enough, in 1976 on Tamla Records, which was, of course, uh, a division of the iconic Motown label. Lots of critics have regarded it as the kind of end of Stevie Wonder's classic period, and it is an absolutely fine album, full of some wonderful tracks, including I Wish, the slightly syrupy, but rather wonderful, Isn't She Lovely? Another Star, as, and of course, the absolute classic Sir Duke. I think that a couple of years before Wonder released this album, which is possibly his finest, certainly my favourite, he was talking actually about giving up music altogether and moving to Ghana to work with handicapped children. Um, he was cross with the um, way that the US government were running the country. So I dread to think how he's feeling at the moment. But anyway, luckily for all of us who are music fans, but perhaps less so for those in Ghana, he decided to carry on making music and songs in the key of life was the result of that. Anyway, so that's today's long classic album. Right, next up today, we have Gail Bryson. Gail Bryson is a product designer, colour expert and screen printer and she'll be known to many of you for her work at the Good Life Experience over the last few years where she brings her screens and teaches literally hundreds of people to print over the weekend. She's also starred in one of our Camp Glen Dyes where she came up to teach people to screen print earlier this year. and. Um, I have been working with her for about eight years um, through her work that she did with us with Peddlers where she designed a range of absolutely best-selling 
ceramics amongst various other things. She's also recently contributed the fantastic It's Good to Stay at Home tea towels which we are selling on the Good Life Experience website in the shop at the moment. Do go and have a look at those because three pounds from each of these, these beautiful organic fair trade tea towels goes to the National Emergencies Trusts. Um, there are some left at the point of um, recording this and I would love it if you bought one of those. Anyway, these are Gail's answers. Hello Charlie, thanks for asking me to take part in your podcast. I'm Gail Bryson and I'm in my flat in Hackney in East London with my dog Olive. Olive is a black Labrador and she's great company at the moment, follows me all over the flat um, but especially gets in the way when I'm trying to do my yoga in my living room. I really hope that some good will come out of this mess. I'm hoping people will become kinder and that the caring creative spirit I'm seeing all around me will continue. I've been so inspired by all the positivity and generosity I've been seeing on Instagram and in my local neighbourhood. On Instagram, people sharing skills and ideas and neighbours and friends looking out for one another more. I hope this carries on. This strong sense of community has really struck me. I've spoken to people on my street for the first time since this happened. I've had seeds delivered through my door by local community gardens. Fresh bread left on my doorstep. It's been a bit overwhelming. I also really think that great creativity will come out of this. People are trying new things, taking up new craft projects, looking at new ways of working. People are having to be more creative and resourceful with work and learning new skills and adapting, which I'm sure will impact on the creative output and the way business is done at the end of all this. I really, really also hope that people will have a deeper appreciation and understanding for the environment around them. Reflecting on my last answer to the question, what good will come out of this mess? I feel like I was thinking more about the good that was coming out of it now rather than the good that will come out of it afterwards. And I really hope that the good that comes out of it after is that people will appreciate what they've been missing more. So appreciate their families, appreciate their friends, appreciate their work, their freedom, their hobbies, their health. And that would be a great thing. Something good you have discovered, found again or started doing. I actually really like spending time at home, but normally I'm out so much that I don't spend a lot of time around the house. So I've actually been enjoying spending more time in my garden. I'm building a small shed, which is a bit of a challenge with one pair of hands. Um, I'm planting a little vegetable garden. I've been planting seeds all over my house um, at the moment. I've also been enjoying cooking and baking more, trying new recipes and experimenting. All the things that I did before, so nothing new, just more time to appreciate and experiment, really. Thanks so much for that, Gail. I just wanted to mention one book today, which is a classic that I have literally just recently discovered, and it is by Nan Shepherd. Um, she was... Uh, someone who lived for all of her life very close to Glendie in Scotland, in a small village to the west of Aberdeen. And she's actually a very known, uh, very well-known and loved writer. And this fantastic, very short book, The Living Mountain, appears to have been re... I wouldn't say discovered recently, but certainly republished with a wonderful and long article at the beginning of it talking about the book by Robert McFarlane. I, I highly, if you like nature writing, it is, it is really wonderful. It's very short, 
It's poetic, it's lyrical, it's personal, it's fragile. It's an absolutely lovely book. I think it's only 30,000 words or something like that. And um, it's called The Living Mountain by Nan Shepherd, who died in 1981. So please, um, I recommend that. If you like nature writing, give that a go. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about a venture that I've been working on, which is called Reimagine Your Life, which is going to happen at the Good Life Experience this year. It's subtitled how to launch a business and I've got speakers lined up including Holly Tucker MBE who founded Not in the High Street and Holly and Co. Julian Granville who's Chief Executive Officer and Chairman of Bowdoin and an advisor at Piper Private Equity. I've got Matt Mills Miller who co-founded the legendary digital product design studio Us2. I've got Mark Shaler who many of you will know Miranda West, the publisher of Do Books, Damien Clisby, the chef, I'll be speaking. I've got Dan Burgess, who gave a beautiful talk on one of my earlier podcasts. Dan Kieran, the chief executive of Unbound Books. Amanda Blaney, the author of Do Death, and loads and loads of other people. Quite a number of them have been talking to me on this podcast. If I've left you out, guys, it's not because I don't love you, it's just because I don't want to waffle on too much. The reason I'm telling you that I've been working on it is it's a project that's really exciting me and Mark Shaler and I have decided to go into business, if you like, together and try and roll out this Reimagine Your Life into a short tour of different venues in the spring of next year. Anyway, we'll, we'll keep you up to date on that if you're remotely interested. I think it is really rather exciting and it's been fun working on it. Now, finally today, we have a contribution from my daughter-in-law, Rayhan, who has just given birth to our first grandchild, Afra, which is absolutely the most exciting thing in the world, although we have yet to meet her. For those of you who have listened to a number of these podcasts, you will know that a couple of days ago, Rayhan tried and tried to record something, but because her beloved daughter was making such a noise, she wasn't able to come up with anything beyond just the first question. But she has sent in her answers, and they're lovely, of course, like everything else on here. So here are Rayhan with very vocal accompaniment from Afra, giving her answers to my questions. I've, I've been really lucky to have um, both Rayhan and Helen Marks earlier talking about having a child during this strange time. I suspect that those children will always have a little bond together as they meet in the future. Ah, you were born during the coronavirus lockdown. So was I. And I think that's probably going to be quite a special thing. Anyway, here is Rayhan. Hey, Charlie, it's Ray. I'm recording this from our living room in our flat in North London. I'm here with Jack, who is your son, um, who I'm very lucky to be married to, and our beautiful little daughter, who is four weeks old. And in the well, she's on she's on me at the moment, so you might hear quite a lot of her in the background of this recording. I've tried so many times to re-record this and have just given up. Um, well, not given up. I've just decided that what she says will be heard, um, which is fine. She has got a lovely voice as long as she's not 
too loud. You can probably hear her hiccuping in the background now, um, which which is very cute. So I will I will continue. Um, what good do I think will come out of this terrible situation? I think that everyone will be a lot slower. I think everything will be a lot slower. And I think that that will actually be a really good thing. I think that we lead these crazy, busy lives, which which are amazing. But at the same time, they, they can be quite stressful. And everything goes so quickly that we almost kind of forget what's really important. And I think that this pandemic means that we'll do things a lot slower, which will give us hopefully more time to actually think about the things that we're doing and why they're important and why we are doing them. Um, I think that this this time will hopefully uh, remind us to to show love towards each other, but also to our planet. And will give us a second chance Afra, Afra. to maybe do things differently and do them better this time. So I've almost been, well, I've been really jealous, actually, um, hearing about the different things that people have started doing during this time, whether they're doing loads of amazing gardening or whether they are embroidering really cool things (laughs) Um, or learning new hobbies, growing things, cooking things. I think everyone's been really creative and it's been amazing to hear about all the different things that people have been doing. Um, But it has made me slightly envious. But having said that, the one thing that I have learned how to do um, ever since this whole situation kicked off um, has been the most amazing thing. And although her crying may make it sound otherwise, um, the most amazing thing that I've learned to do is to become a mother and it's been life-changing it's beautiful it's totally overwhelming (laughs) half the time I don't really know what I'm doing but it is it's the best thing that ever could have happened to me and that I've ever ever done I think what is interesting um is that sorry I'm I'm she is happy I promise she's just being a bit noisy in the background But yeah, what's interesting is that people talk about um, when you have your child, how everything really changes. And it certainly has uh, for the three of us. I think that, you know, having a baby changes everything. You have this new person in your lives that you have to look after. You have to keep an eye on them 24-7. And it's a whole new dynamic. But on top of that, we've now got this other massive, big new change, which is a change that's affecting us all. It's a changing, sorry, it's affecting the the pace of our lives. It's affecting how we, how we do things, how we communicate, um, how we kind of assess each and every day. And it's, it's an interesting time to be uh, a new parent. It's, it's wonderful. And a lot of people keep on, you know, keep on saying to us, that actually this couldn't have really come at a better time for us because being in lockdown is effectively what you do when you become a new parent. You you stay at home because you've got this wonderful tiny little person to look after and you're tired and being at home is the easiest place to look after that person. But it does feel very different. I think that you you get told about what it's like to be a new parent and you you have your expectations. Like this is the time that your home should be filled with your family and people will come over. And I was told that we'd be brought a lot of of food to eat so we wouldn't have to cook. And 
we're you know we're we're happy but it is the three of us in our own four walls and it's a very special time because Afra is young and we've got this uninterrupted time with her but at the same time this is the time that we should be with our families and although we are really grateful for everything that we do have it's it's still hard because you long to be with people and that's just the reality of the situation that unfortunately we are being kept apart at the moment. But being a mum is absolutely incredible and Jack is the most amazing father. So I think the the three of us are a pretty good trio and it's it's a crazy time. It really is. But we are really looking forward to when this all blows over and we can all be reunited so although I'm not doing anything particularly creative or ticking anything off my kind of wish list or my my hobby list, um, which would definitely include watercolour, um, by the way, I know that I'm doing something pretty damn cool. Well, we're doing something really cool and I just wish that we could share it with more people, but the time will come and it's amazing. It It is the most amazing thing. People say you know, children change your lives. They really do. Like this little girl has filled a place in my heart that I never knew was empty. And she's fantastic. She is absolutely everything. And so we are, we are so, so, so lucky. And she can't wait to meet you all. Before she pipes up again, I'm going to sign off. Um, But she has asked me to pass on a message. She says, I love you, Grandpa, and will you please um, give me a shout out and play a lullaby for me? Um, And we all love you and stay safe, everyone, and lots of love. Well, thank you very much, Ray. Um, Thank you, all of you. Thanks for listening. Thanks to my wonderful friend, Jim Friend, for editing this with such patience and perseverance and so quickly. Today, I thought we should play out with an absolute classic from Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life. So, here is Sir Duke.
the voice like Alice ringing out. 